Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. So thank you for being willing to sit down and do this again, man. We get, we get a little intense every time we talk. <laughs> it's like, uh... <laughs> Like how it goes sell in Muhammad Ali. No, no, look, I had great intense interviews with them. Well, thanks for letting us be a, a part of that exclusive list, Ali Sadiq. Oh, yeah, it's on, it's on a, 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 it's a very exclusive list. Worldwide, 20 people out do their podcast. Worldwide. There's not a lot of people. Hot breath. Oh, well, hello there. Welcome back to the Hot Breath Podcast. I'm your host, comedian Joel Byers, and this is your weekly guide to comedy mastery. I am reporting to you live from my back porch because it is a beautiful day here in Atlanta, Georgia, and my wife is home and don't want her judging me from afar. So, speaking of from afar, this is an old school episode we're going to throw back today because my guest is getting shine he has so deservedly earned from NBC's Bring the Funny. We actually talk about in this episode, I did this about a year ago now, we talk about him being still underrated after over 20 years in this game. And now he is getting his deserved shine. So if you're tuning in because you saw him on that show, welcome. We have over 190 other episodes, not only on all podcasting platforms, but also on YouTube as well for you to watch if that's what you like. However you like this, however you consume it, all we ask for this free content, just to share it. Share it with other comedians you know. Share it with other friends and family that love comedy and love learning, and we will keep churning these out every single Monday. So with all that being said, I value your time and want to get right into this, but specifically share this with our guest today. If you found this interview insightful into him and his process, reach out to him and just let him know on social media. Hey, I just heard you on Hot Breath Podcast. Incredible. Thank you for doing that show. And then maybe he'll do it again. We've actually interviewed him twice now, but I will link those in the show notes, but I really wanted to repost this one. Because he is in the finales of NBC's Bring the Funny. And I'm going to put in the link of these show notes where you can go vote for him. This cat has been earning his stripes in this game. And he is now getting his due attention. So definitely support my guest. Go vote for him. It's linked in the show notes. And enjoy this episode. Go vote for him after this episode, though. All right? You're, you're going to love this one. It gets really heated at one point as well. He compares us to uh, Muhammad Ali and Howard Cosell. So it's always fun getting to hang out with this guy. And you're going to have a lot of fun listening about him. So with all that being said, there is only one thing left to do. And that is inhale a hot breath with Ali Sadiq. Ah. You want me? You want to switch mics? Say what? Switch mics. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, you're a professional. You're a professional podcaster. Let me see. Could you scoot in a little bit for the the frame there? All right. Ali Sadiq, my man. Isn't that dark right here? Does it look dark? Yeah, I look dark. <laughs> it looks good on the camera though. It's a good camera. We can, maybe, so we can pick switch, you maybe we can switch seats. You want to switch seats? Yeah, let's switch, try that. Let's try that. <laughs> okay, I look a little lighter. Is that right better there. for you? Yeah, maybe that's better. Oh, okay. yeah, okay. Whatever yeah. makes you comfortable, sir. Man, it was just dark. <laughs> I'll take a pillow, though. You want a pillow? Yeah, I'm, man, I'm old. A little set dressing? Old man. You're an old man. Yeah. Old man with new fame. Man, I don't have no fame. That's what I don't have. That's... Damn sure what I don't have is fame. Well, what do you think you have right now? Uh, I, I don't. I don't think I have anything. I, just, <laughs> I don't know what, what is there to have. It's like I'm living. That's basically it. I'm it, having a career and mm -hmm. just living. Yeah. Well, I don't have too much. If this is this is simple as this. Um, do you ever see me at any award shows? <laughs> I guess not. Do you ever um, see me in any of these magazines or, you know, like comedy hype or any internet stuff on me? Or, you know, I'm not, I'm not a part of most of, these, most of these things. I see you on Comedy Central. Yeah. That's, that's Comedy Central. You know, culturally, that's bad to show somebody the bottom of your foot. That's why. Oh, I, really? That's why I keep moving. Oh, is that where you're moving? That's yeah. interesting. That's good to know, man. No, I never knew that. Yeah, <laughs> well, I won't then ever again. Yeah, it, it's um interesting. Yeah, because yeah. if you think about it, the bottom of your, what's on the bottom of your shoe. I guess just what you've been stepping on. Whatever you've been stepping on outside. Oh, wow. Just like it's a, it's a thing where you know how people say um, cleanliness is close to godliness, right? Mm -hmm. people, that's the saying that people say. But yet and still they walk in their house with their shoes on. Huh. Or they walk in their place to worship with their shoes on. It's huh. a weird concept. When did you first learn that showing the bottom of your feet was rude? Just traveling and being around other people and being and reading like you're not supposed to show people the bottom of your feet. Uh, it's, like, it's like like somebody throwing a sandal at you is <laughs> is an insult. Like when when that guy threw his sandal at Bush, mm -hmm. I don't think American people they, American people thought it was funny. Oh, he threw a shoe at him. No, that was like the ultimate insult. Oh. That was like the. It's no greater insult in their culture than to throw your sandal. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. It's like that's like the it's like basically throwing feces on you. Yeah, that's the same equivalent culturally. Yeah. Oh, well, I just learned something new there. My bad. No, no disrespect. No, man. no, no. I was just, you know, I couldn't get a good angle. So that I was like, funny. I was like, kept scooting and I kept like moving. You're like, yo, man, your feet, <laughs> your feet, man. I'd never heard that before, so I didn't know. We're learning every day. Every day we learn. We learn something. Like I, I, I learned. I was some. I was in um, Japan, and this guy gave me his card, and I put it in my top pocket, and he was offended because I didn't know that was rude. And, and Japan is rude to put take somebody's card and put it in your top pocket. What are you supposed to do with it? 
put it in your wallet huh. or put it in your pocket somewhere where you gonna keep it. If you think about it, a lot of times you put something in your top pocket, you'll take the shirt off and discard, you'll wash it or whatever. You don't think about what's in your top pocket, you just think about what's in these pockets most mm-hmm. of the time. So I got it, I understood. I was like, hmm. So, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I asked people now. I'm like, you, you, it's okay if I put your car in my, in my jacket pocket because hmm. I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going to forget it in my jacket pocket. Well, we went when the first time I interviewed you in 2017. You had just come out with your Comedy Central half hour, and you were putting. You were figuring out the logistics behind your hour special at the hmm. prison. Like you, had, you didn't have a location yet. So now that you've had your special come out, you've gone to just for laughs. Like you're you're in now, like in the industry speak. So what have you learned from being on the other side now? I I think I think that's an illusion that people that people have that I'm on the other side. And um I still have to request everything. If I if I'm not I'm I'm an afterthought still. And I don't think people get that. I'm 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 for sure an afterthought. Even, even, like, you don't see me on a lot of black anything. Like, I'm not even mostly invited. If they, if they put out a list of the top 100 black comics, I probably wouldn't make the list. Why do you think that? I don't know. I don't, I don't have a reasoning for other people's, um, <laughs> ignorance. I don't, I, I, ignorance, I, I yeah. can't, I really can't really vouch for why, you know, if they put out 100, Top comics in Comedy Central on Comedy Central, I probably would make the list. You you did with when your Comedy Central half hour came out. You were like one of the comics to watch. I, no, I won a competition to be the comic to watch in 2013. Oh, you had to win it. What you're saying? Yeah, I won. Volunteered. That. Oh, yeah, okay. I won a competition. So um, the 42 JFL, you know, I was in that because I had a special getting ready to come out. A lot of things are the powers that be behind, who pulling the strings behind the scenes. You know, it's like you're getting ready to do a special, so they're going to put you in all the the circles. But you're not doing a special, then you're not in the circles. Hmm. It's just that that simple. So you're not, uh, um, I would have to be invited in them same circles again. I have to be doing another special. To get back there. Yeah. What did you learn from being there? That you would have to do another special <laughs> to get back there. That it, this, it doesn't that matter. This, this is not a. This is not a. A. Home situation. This is a visitor situation. I'm visiting. Yeah, I'm visiting basically. And doing comedy over twenty years, you yeah. still just being a visitor. Mm-hmm. And as far as the industry is concerned. Okay. Even even amongst even amongst black people, black people don't know who I am. That's why when people say you famous, you on us. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm I'm a regular Joe. Me and you could me and you could walk into the same Walmart and nobody say nothing to me. Just like they you know wouldn't say nothing to our average Joe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not. Um, I sell our shows in certain places. You know. Black people not coming to see me like that. More white people come see me because I'm on Comedy Central they, and they watch This Is Not Happening and they see me on that. So if I'm not on some slapstick show or the Shaq All-Stars or something to that, all-deaf digital, or if I'm not 
running in the shadow of um, another comic, then people don't know, black people don't know who I am. Does that bother you? Mm -hmm. No. Why would it? Because as long as human beings showing up, you know, none of it bothers me. I, I'm not bothered by not being considered one of the cool kids. I'm not, I'm not bothered by that. Because um, I don't think the people who they think the cool kids are the cool kids. I feel you on that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, um, I'm not... I, you know, I, I, um, I don't really get my hopes up high about things. Like I want, I want to be nominated. I got in that circle. You get what people start hyping, and I'm not about, I'm not about hype. So when you in that circle, people are, like, oh, you should be nominated for this. You should, be. and then you start listening. Like man, I, I should be nominated for an Emmy with my special. Then you don't get nominated, and you look at the people that are nominated. You be like, wow. Hands down, if I'm just looking at it as a consumer, my special was better. Mm. Just as a consumer, as if you took what was what's needed in society, my special was better. You took go on message, my special was better. Go on, you know, not doing it just with a a backdrop. My special was better. Being Risky is, and people say, well, it wasn't original. Yes, it pretty much was. It wasn't, it wasn't Jeff Ross roasting prisoners. It wasn't Monique. I could have been your, your cellmate or whatever that was. I'm coming from prison, coming from the situation. Yeah, yeah. Going back to tell people how to get out of the situation and how not to come to the situation at the same time. Men and women. How did you, not what do you what do you think the people did that got nominated? What do they do differently from you? Man, do you asking me questions I have that I wasn't in the room with? Uh, okay. I have no I have no clue. So like maybe people just like agents or publicists that whatever, got them in that whatever list? whatever strings are pulled to get that nomination. That's what was pulled. Hmm. Or whatever I have it go. I don't I don't dwell on things that I don't know anything about. I don't. People ask you questions all the time, and you like, well, ask yourself that. Like, shit, I can't answer some shit that I wasn't a part of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's like, true. Like, like what, 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 what I, I, I can't go back and do my special different. My special was what it was. Yeah, it's just, I've been doing comedy eight and a half years, and it's just cool to hear someone at your level, like, well, no, you just got to focus on what you can control, because I'm just now at a point where like I haven't been a cool kid, so it is that is almost something I had to get over. And then thinking, oh well, I'd like to be here, but it's like, but you're not. So appreciate where you are. Just hearing that perspective from someone like you is kind of resonating with me and like where I'm at in my career. And I think a lot of comics hit that wall too. Man, with stand up, if you hitting any type of wall at like. Any, you can't hit a wall, can't even consider a wall until like year number 12, mm. 13, 14, 15. I'm gonna say 15. Cause for, it's gonna take you 10 years just to develop what you actually wanna start developing. Really? It's gonna take you 10 years 
to even get to a point where you can say, I'm going to start developing that because now I kind of know who I am. And then two years in after that, you still going to change something up after that if you're a good comic. Then 15 years, then you be thinking like, damn, I've been doing this shit 15 years. I ain't got nowhere. But then, what you mean you haven't gotten anywhere? Like personally? That's what people think. Like I ask anybody, like, what you mean you haven't gotten anywhere? You went to school for 10 years. You just got out of school. Now you in college for five years and then you start like, Yo, what you mean what you what you haven't accomplished or are you looking at somebody else's accomplishment judging yourself oh that's what it is mm-hmm. that that's how i look at it most of the time oh you want to be an instagram sensation <laughs> oh no knock on them because they are necessary evil just <laughs> like just like mcfoley or Anybody else that decide to do have a story, need, need leaks, you know, all these are necessary evils in a comedy club. You know, there's not the magic show, anything else, all necessary evils yeah. for people who really not pulling that many tickets just yet for them to, you know, club make some money, you know, then you come in, do the weekend and cultivate real comedy and then, you know, that's how the business works. Yeah, you, and we talked about that in the last interview, which was like episode 73. Now we're in the 140s. So it's, it is cool to see even back then where it's like people like from the internet fame and the impact they're making, especially in the clubs going in and selling out like a Tuesday, like a Tuesday at 7 o'clock show and they can just sell it out. It's like that's seems to be where that's a lot of the demand is now. No, nah, that's, that's, that's an illusion as well. Because you got to think. And I ask people all the time. It's it's a way that people look at things without looking. It's like I'm looking at this oak tree. But you do know it's a forest. It's a whole forest that's right there, right? So it's a lot of other trees making mm-hmm. up a forest. So it may think it pushes people to go on the Internet and really give away free content. If I'm a show producer, I don't really have to wait. I don't really have to call you in. I can just wait. By noon, somebody will post something I can write a sitcom off of. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, just free content. All, always, yeah, voluntarily. Just, just voluntarily free content. That's one angle of it. Two, name the... um. The internet sensation with a with a a network special. Can't think of one off the top. You gonna I I give you all day. Uh, Cause see what cultivates comedy is comedy. Mm. That's gold. Yeah. That's just how it is. The stand up. It's not that, and, and, I, and I look at it like this. You can go on a lot of internet sensational pages and they not posting stand-up. Right. You better not. 
And your fans, yeah. your fans don't post your stand up. No. Nope. Your fans, your fans, post your buffoonery. And that's what they expect at the shows too, though. If you're known for certain skits, that's what they want to see as your stand up. Is you just doing that skit? They're not gonna. They're not gonna post your stand up. I don't give a damn how many doors you you kick. And how many mm. other people you talk about and how many times you talk about getting sex or giving head or being nasty, that still ain't stand up. Mm-hmm. And that's for the that's for the bottom feeders. Don't nobody concentrate on that. You can have three million followers. That network's not looking at that garbage. We can't know what, what it's gonna be. What I'ma beep your whole special. Even for the sitcom side, they're looking for compelling stories, your story. Very compelling. We dove all into that the first interview, but has anybody approached you about wanting to turn that into a sitcom or anything? Yeah, but that's not what I want to do. I don't want to uh, put out another prison sitcom or anything about anything about that. What I'm going to do is going to be responsible, and that's not responsible. You know, the Orange is New Black and Oz and all around, they, they can have all that. That's not, they can they can live in those fictitious prison stories. I'm, you know, Lockup is doing a good job of telling that story. So, is, is that what people approached you about? It's like, okay, we have a vision, Ali. You're in prison. Is that's that what, what they said? That's what they going, that's what they going to approach me about. If, if, uh-huh. if they, that's the work they've seen you do. They haven't, you know, they think they, that's what you going to sell on. But I don't have a gimmick for them, so that's the thing. I'm writing about what I want to, so. And, I, and that's the thing. When it's not my goal, it's no pressure on me. Mm. That's Other people want me to write sitcoms. That's what other people think success is. That's not what I think success is because I'm a stand-up. I didn't go to Juilliard to be an actor. I didn't go to writing school. I, I, I um, hone my skills and my craft being a stand-up. I'm not a talk show host. I'm not a um, gimmick writer. I'm not a dancer. I'm not a rapper. I'm not none of that. I am a comic, and I'm cool with that. Maybe maybe that's a a old way of thinking, but I know people who are. I don't know a lot of doctors who are trying to do any other thing other than be a doctor. Yeah, I don't know any lawyers who you know trying to be something else. I think, you know, it's certain crafts that people have to be what they are. You need butchers. (laughs) I don't want my butcher, you know, wanting to be an actor, and then I can't get, somebody gotta actually want to be a butcher. So I'm just a stand-up, that's it. So what are your goals with stand-up then? What you mean what my goals are? Well, you said the TV stuff, it wasn't your goal. I've accomplished every goal in stand-up. Really? But what, what, more is for me to what is there for me to do other than keep doing specials yeah your specials because how many people how many people get specials in in their comedy career very rare i mean more well, getting them on netflix i guess netflix is starting to pump them out but that netflix is not comedy central mm-hmm. it, that that's the regardless of what people try to oh you go to netflix yeah if you go to netflix when you're trying to Get some fame. You can record your own Netflix special and sell it to them. How about that? Mm-hmm. But Comedy Central, you can't do that. 
I'd rather somebody put the money into me to shoot my thing, to know this is the home that is in the title, Comedy Central, the central location for comedy. Next is HBO, then I'll do a Showtime, then we'll get around to doing a Netflix if that's important to me at that time. But other than that, I'm going to just keep pumping out specials because I don't think nobody ever asked Richard Pryor when he was doing albums or Red Fox when he was doing albums, um, what you want to do next? Do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do whatever they want to do. And I'm one of the people who hell-bent on letting people understand that you don't have to do, you don't have to be nothing else to be considered a successful comic. That's a bunch of bullshit to me. I don't want to be have to become an actor or something else to be considered a, a successful comic. What type of shit is that? So I guess football players got to do something else to go to the Hall of Fame in football. So you got to do something else? What you got to do? Yeah. Ba- to get to the Basketball Hall of Fame, what do you got to do? You have to play something else other than basketball? You got to play cricket, too? Mm-hmm. What else you got to do? So in comedy... Why do I have to become an actor or be in a movie or any of that shit to be considered a good stand-up? I guess it's just bringing a new awareness to you. Get new new fans. If you're more, if you're in more than one place, that's the but more people can that, find you. But what does that have to do with stand-up, though? It can lead to bigger venues, more more but shows. Why do you have to do? Do, I, I, do you understand what I'm saying? Why do you have to do something else to be considered a good stand-up? Well, if you're just a stand-up, they can only see you where they what see you stand-up. What you mean you just a stand-up? That's what you fucking do. You are a stand-up. Uh, I, I love stand-up. I no, but I'm asking, why does a stand-up comic have to do something else other than be a stand-up comic to be famous for being a stand-up comic? It's just the more awareness. The more you do, the more people can see you. Why are people not aware? You could, but you're not doing stand-up when they're getting aware of you. You're acting. You're saying somebody uh-huh. else's words. It's not fucking stand-up. But people say they'll start a podcast. What the fuck would people say got to do with what the truth is? I mean, other comics will do TV shows or other podcasts to then drive new fans to then see them do stand-up. You know how fucking stupid that sounds? (laughs) I mean, I just do stand-up. I'm not on a TV show or anything else. But I'm just thinking of what are the most avenues that I can attract new fans to then come see my stand-up and see me live. So instead of me maybe doing a one-nighter somewhere, I can then sell out a weekend at a club or sell out at a theater. It though All the vehicle is to drive stand-up, but there's multiple ways to do it beyond just stand-up. I guarantee you, you doing a sitcom, your fucking stand-up suck. Mm. I fucking guarantee it. I've seen that too. I've seen it a thousand times. Yeah, I've seen that too, yeah. The people who was good at stand-up try to do other shit, and then they fucking stand-up sucks. So then you're being, you're taking away from what you're supposed to be in mm-hmm. order to do some other shit to get other fans to come see you fucking suck at what you're supposed to be. Yeah. 
Just like people, the internet, the internet motherfuckers are not good at stand up live. That's why they don't fucking show they stand up. That's why it doesn't make sense to me to try to bait followers, but not fucking work your pen and work your craft. It's two fucking different things. You doing sketches and nigga take cut action. This bullshit ain't nothing like me doing a live show. You, it's no comparison. It's no comparison. Yeah, you're scaring me a little bit. No, I'm just saying the <laughs> understanding is so fucked up that comics have been brain fucked to think that you have to do other shit and your stand up is not important when that's what you're supposed to be. And let every and let that drive everything. Just be Richard good at Pryor's stand-up. stand up was so strong that his first motherfucking movie was about his stand up, his life. Jojo Dancer. That was his first movie. First movie. Whoa, I did not know that. Wow. That's impressive. That's how good his fucking stand-up was. Yeah. And I think people have lost sight of his stand-up was so superior that the rest of the shit came. He never abandoned his stand-up. People trying to, oh, I'm going to try to get here to go there to then come back here. No, it don't fucking work like that. Like live from Sunset Strip. This is how important his stand-up was. He's performing live from Sunset Strip. He decides that it's not really what he wanted to be. So he walks off stage. Audience starts booing. Jesse Jackson runs through the curtain, trying to see what's going on. He said, I'm not feeling it. He's like, man, you doing, you fucking killing it. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. That's that day. Next day, he come back, and now what is known as live such a strip is what you see now. Huh. He he acts the first, he didn't even finish the first taping of it. No. He said, I don't feel it. Yeah. Wow. But it was going well? Or, yeah. Okay, I didn't know if he was like I, off. You, Did you not just hear what I just said? He fuck. you don't be listening, man. I'm listening? You not listening. I just said he didn't feel it. Uh-huh. He didn't feel it. Wasn't shit wrong. He didn't feel it. It's not. My stand-up is that important that it ain't about what the fuck y'all feel. It's about what I want to put out there as far as a stand-up. I ain't feeling this shit. Mm-hmm. I just told you. Jesse Jackson went through the curtain and said, man, what's going on? Man, you killing this? Like, man, I'm killing this shit, but you know, I don't feel it. How many times did you tape your special? Once. You did one take. And that was it. No, I did two takes once one night. Okay. And how? But I already knew what I was going to do. I already knew what I was going to do. Yeah, that's what I was asking. And it's, it's no feeling from them. I'm, I'm, I'm crafty enough to know what I'm about to put out there and nothing's going to not go well. Nothing's not going to go well because I'm already geared towards all this in the way my stand, the way I'm set up, how it's not going to go well. How was it like a how prepared was it word for word? Like what, what you mean word for word? I don't I don't this, I, a lot of times I don't like people who interview me that don't know who I am. I, I don't know never, who you are. You can't know if I am. You talking about I did something word for word for word from what? But you said you knew listen, in our first interview, you said you don't even like to do the same set twice I in a week. I didn't do the same set. So I was just asking for a special though, if you're trying to I capture didn't do the material. same set. I didn't I did one Half hour, one one and a half, like hour twenty minutes. The first set, then the next set, I came out and did a different hour twenty. Okay, 
See, I, I wasn't there for both, so I don't know. What's I know you wasn't what's there. there. I know you wasn't there. I'm telling you, I don't talk word for word. Uh huh. Never. But I knew what I wanted to do. I nailed it the first time. That's why I could go out and do whatever I wanted to do the second time. They could, they could put out both of them back to back. They two different things. Wow. In the same day, an hour apart, they two different things. How long in a comedy did it take you to develop that confidence to just go and not lean on the words as much? Because that takes confidence and repetition. Lean on what words? Well, as a comedian, you can get stuck on your jokes and this is how I said it and this is how it worked. But it takes time to develop that confidence to just be yourself on stage. Man, you you probably haven't listened to me a lot because you you live in Atlanta, I and I and I get that. Man, I don't say a story the same way word for word ever. I don't think I ever do that. Because every story has three. I don't even finish stories half the time. I don't even finish them. So if some if I did if I told the story right now of the prison riot, which is affectionately called Mexicano Boots, if I told this story right now, I wouldn't tell it the same way that I did it when I recorded it. Hmm. Because I'm recording something, I don't have time to tell the whole entire story. Whether it was 16 minutes or 12 minutes when I did it, they cut it down to seven. So if I actually do the story, that was about a 45 to 50 minute story that I'm, I'm just taking that long to say it, but it's long than that because it was a day. It happened, that whole thing happened in a day. It wasn't like, oh, boom, boom, boom. It was a whole entire day from the time I woke up that morning. In a riot in prison last a long time. It's not 15 seconds. Mm. It's not 60 seconds. It's the the fight, the gas, the more fighting, the the police, the top being tied up, the processing, the going to the infirmary, the um getting locked up, getting um interviewed, going on tape, getting put back in a cell, getting separated, who getting locked up, going through the cases of being pending. They going through tape on you, showing you what you was doing. It's a long goddamn time. It's not like a second. So it depends on what part of the story I want to say. Like I did I did the whole story and I talk about Mitch, but I never said nothing about Red. I mentioned 240 Shorty, but I never said nothing about the other participants that was out there in a riot. It wasn't just two people. It's 300 people out here fighting. And everybody was in a, in a different position. And I'm telling it from the position where I was at up on the wreck yard, on the side of the wreck yard that I was on. It's, two, it's a two-sided wreck yard. It's eight buildings. 
it's a whole, this is a whole place. They shooting gas from a central building. It's offices in Rygear. It's a long day. Mm-hmm. How do you decide what to keep for TV, to say it on TV? I don't decide. I tell the story with the way I'm going to say it. I don't. So I, I, and whatever, whatever mood I'm in, it's, it may be right on the fly. I think of a part of the story that I want to put in right now because I'm in the I'm in the mood to be very intricate right now. And it wasn't it wasn't planned. It's like, OK, I'm going to tell I'm going to put this part in. Like when I just did the story because these people asked me to do it in Orlando. And the dude walked up, he said, man, that was way different than I say, because I never told y'all the Mexican dude's name on the TV. Now, this time, I told you his name was Alvarez. And he was like, damn. He's right. So I never mentioned the the other dude who told me what CeCe was. Bunch of shit I, shit I didn't mention. But I'm now I'm telling you the story in an intimate setting, and I have more time to tell you the story. It's more stuff that happened with Mitchell on how my plotting to kill him was. It's more things that happened in prison than just the three stories I've told. I was on six different units. It's been a lot, it's been a lot of shit that happened in the six years I was there. And I wasn't in just one riot. That's the whole thing. That's just the first riot. Jeez. <laughs> so it's a difference with you, you being you being in a riot, you being gas so much that you know when they using fresh gas and when they not, when they got new gas. When they changing things from pepper from the the gas they was first using the CO gas to now they got um, pepper spray gas. It's like this mist that if you wet, it's just gonna burn whatever wet. So when you fighting, you sweating. So it's just burning anything with moisture. So hey, different. It's a different thing. So when I'm doing a story, I may go up in a night and decide. You know, tonight. I feel, cause just when I walked out here, I felt like I wanted to tell this story right here. I didn't decide when I was sitting in the back. Something triggered me right now to go here. For comedians that want to develop stories, like what kind of tips do you have to help build a effective story? Tell a story to your friends first. Mm. Tell the story to your friends. That's the simplest way. Just say the story. Like my friends, my friends know stories that I've never said on stage, and they waiting. They like, man, one day he gonna do it. I'm gonna be there when he do this because this, this is hysterical. But if I'm not thinking about it, and it, it depends on the audience that I'm in front of too. If I'm in front of an audience that really know me, which it's not a lot of them. Um, what was that? West Madison, Wisconsin. I think that was probably about the the most. Uh, that in D.C. was probably about the most familiar audiences of me I think I've ever been a part of. Cause they, it's like they went and watched everything. And when I got there, which was cool with me, I don't do a lot of old stuff anyway. They wanted some old stuff. They was like calling out stuff. 
I was like, oh, okay. Mm. And so I would do some of these old things, but every night I was doing a different show. I was just in, um, what was I at? Baltimore at Magoobies. This lady came to my show and she said, I heard you do a different show every night. I bought tickets to come see you every night. <laughs> every night, just to see. And every night she said, you didn't repeat not one joke. I said, I know. I'm not, I'm not telling you nothing that I don't already know. I already told you how I do it. Because I don't feel the same. I don't think the same from hour to hour. Something else may have been on my mind. This is a different, this is a different audience. But I said, and it, sometimes it's a headache because I'd be thinking of something and then I'd be like, damn, did I do that? <laughs> no, I didn't do that this I didn't do that this show. So I won't and so I go through and like I didn't I don't, I'm not doing that this show. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing I know damn well I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm not doing that. I don't even feel like that. Mm. So I feel like doing this, this and this, but if I get around to it, then I'll do it. But when I walk out there, I just gauge it from when I get out there and see what I don't want to talk about. Is it all in your head or do you write it down? My head. Okay. I that's I, 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 another thing about being a storyteller and telling stories from your life. I don't have to write shit down. Mm-hmm. I just got to remember. It just got to come to my mind what happened. Last night I told a story that I hadn't even thought about because Wanda Smith was playing this song and they were singing this song. I, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, what's, what's my memory of this song? And I walked out and I told him, I said, man, I had something on my mind. But this song triggered a memory hmm. in my head that I feel like talking about. This dude said, well, come on with it. I said, hey, man, what you better do is wait. That's what we, that's, <laughs> boy, let me tell you what's not going to happen. Let me... <laughs> Ooh, I said, man, I don't know what y'all are coming to, but don't be hollering out nothing at me. And one thing, don't rush me. That's what you better not do, goddammit. I just got to work. Don't fucking rush me. Um, I told a story, and I kid, and it murdered. I said, see, you can't rush me like other people. Because I, I did the story about my mama and my daddy. And then that's, um, and when that song came on, it went, I knew it wasn't my birthday party no more. And my mom and my daddy ended up doing it. Hmm. And when I said, that's crazy, they wasn't even together no more. And then people fucking fell out because they know they mom and they daddy. <laughs> <laughs> they wasn't together no more. <laughs> what are the keys to a great story? No, that I don't, that I don't know. Uh, details do those play into like painting the picture for the most part but what makes something the great story man it's like all of you would tell you these formulas that make something great uh-huh. when i'm when i'm telling the story like bert bert asked me one time that i know what made um messing got on boots prison story what made that a great story i'm like i have no clue it because to me it's there's a part of my life that I told. I didn't I didn't go into it, you know, look, I'm finna make this story great. I don't know how that I don't know how that happens. 
That's what he talked about with his his Russian mob story. He said it took him like three years to figure out how to tell. And it's cool to hear another storyteller being like, I just kind of say it. And it just works, you know? It took him three years? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He said just doing it, touring, just saying the story over and over again. It took him three years to That's figure prob- out. Because he, he says it word for word. That's probably it. Probably right. take, it would probably take me three years to say it word for word and to mm-hmm. get it down to one thing and not add nothing else to it and just say it. That that that, that it probably take me three years. So yeah, I can understand that because it probably some intricate. It's probably it's probably some other funny avenues in that story that we missing because he says it. He's saying it the same way all the time. Right. Because Bert is so hysterical that he probably cut out something, some fat that he felt like was fat that was probably gut wrenching funny. But you would never see it if people tell the story the same way. That's we can get lost as a comedian into like, all right, I laugh every 15 seconds. Gotta keep them laughing, gotta keep them laughing. What I love about your style and why Dad, where that shit come from? Where's all these rules coming from, man? I don't know. I, and I'm telling you, I remember hearing this stupid shit, man. This laugh per minute right. shit. What the fuck <laughs> is this shit, man? It's like, like this is like New comics are coming to the game, fucking it up, man. Just adding shit that mm. don't really. What? Please spit game on that, because I'm lost in that right now. Of like, well, if I don't get a laugh in 40 seconds and they're not laughing, then I, I I'll, that silence. You know, I'm not comfortable in the silence as much yet. Okay, maybe that's the thing, because that shit is bothering me when I talk to young comics. I'm like, man, get out of my face with that fucking, these rules. This dude said, man, he went to a class to learn how to do comedy, and then he said he came to see me after he graduated from the class. And he said, man, I can't see you, and you just made me feel like I fucking wasted my $500 (laughs) because every single thing they told me not to do, you did every last thing. (laughs) Every last thing. They said, move the microphone out the way. You ain't fuck with that microphone. You you sat right in front of the microphone, and you sat with your (laughs) microphone like this. And for this thing, they're like, look, let me tell y'all something. They're like, everything, man. It's like, like, I was like, yo, he he not getting last per minute. But you're getting these huge explosions at the end. I'm like, what are people doing to y'all with you not being able to be? Comedy is about freedom. It's the, it's the last place for freedom of speech outside of the barbershop. And I'm trying to understand as a as a mid-range, man. I'm not old. I'm not young. I'm in the middle. Comic It's depressing for me to be the, 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 the one who's still holding on to the pure way. And it's kind of like people want to be pure, but just fucking destroying the mentality of what a comic is. It's like they fucking with your brain. With wrong shit. It's like they feeding you artificial food, man. Hmm. And it's like you're not seeing that, man, that shit don't matter. 
It's about you being able, and it's not like I'm a story. This is just my form of how I deliver my delivery. It's not, a, I'm not a story. I'm not a, none of these labels. This is how I deliver what I have to say. I'm the, I'm a very dry, sarcastic. I'm not, I'm, what? Because I was like that in prison. My my skills are, the, are home from where I started being jovial at. Mm-hmm. That was my my way of letting them see, hey man, y'all just yo fucking the way you think, man. You're not changing the way you think. Oh, because I'm the person in prison that somebody about to fight, and I come in like, so y'all y'all about to fight. I'm very antagonistic. I'm just just a fucking asshole. So y'all about to fight? <laughs> what y'all about to fight about? I just want y'all to know this. As y'all finish fighting. Whoever lose gonna get their ass whooped twice because the police gonna come in and beat the shit out y'all and gas y'all. So if you, are y'all that mad? Are y'all that mad? Mm-hmm. And they like, Ali, stay out this shit. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I just wanna. Can I, can I have your cell once you get? Because y'all about to go to solitary. I just know you know. Just don't think that you gonna fight and they gonna come in here and gas y'all and beat y'all ass and you not gonna go to solitary. Just just. I'm just trying, trying to put other shit on your brain. Why you finna fight each other behind whatever y'all about to fight? But go ahead, go ahead though. <laughs> and people be in the day room laughing like, yeah, go on fight now. The nigga that told you what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm just observational and I'm just putting it out there like it is. And I'm looking at things from a different perspective. And I'm not look. I don't give a shit about laughs per nothing. Mm-hmm. You mentioned. Comedian, it taking a comedian like 10 years to almost even figure out what they want to talk about. It, does that come into play as well? And it took 10 years to even have the ability to, how you're funny off stage to translate that to on stage? It took, it took about that amount of time to say, you know, it, it took me a little longer because I switched in the middle, like right at the 10 year mark, I switched everything up. Yeah, I switched everything up. It was it was a it was a it was a smooth transition because of how people um, started doing stand up. It was like everybody was kind of sounding the same, mm-hmm. so I went a different a different route. I remember just saying, you know, something. This is this is more of me. You know, I'm not gonna dumb myself down or dance or do all this other shit to appease people. I got I'm I'm not in the I think that's the thing why I'm not one of the cool kids because I'm not chasing I'm not I'm not chasing laughs from an audience. I'm not chasing um I'm not chasing fame. I'm not chasing followers. I'm not chasing shit. I'm not chasing none of that shit. You know, because I really believe what's for me is gonna come. Mm. And I'm I'm very comfortable in my skin with that. So I don't look at Lil Duval um, song Smile Bitch and decide, you know something? I'm thinking because people know I already had songs that I never even put out. I got a song with Zero that I never even put out. It just didn't it? feel like it? It's called Perfect. I never finished it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I um, got a song with Lloyd. Um, Got all type of shit. I got a song with Blind Rob. I got a song with GT. I got got all type of songs with people, but that's not even that's not my focus. It started make taking me away from being a stand up. So my my stand up is not about music. My stand up is about life. So I don't really I don't 
I'm, I'm, I applaud Duval, you know, just like I applauded Will Al Yankovic when he was doing, true, you know, spoofs yeah, yeah. and stuff. You know what I'm saying? So um, Eddie Murphy took a swing at singing. You know what I'm saying? Jamie Foxx did it. Jamie Foxx, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, a bunch of people, but Jamie Foxx wanted to be an entertainer. Cedric, an entertainer, can sing. So, you know, it's just, and anybody who gets anything, I'm not jealous of them. That That's for them. You know? Because mm-hmm. somebody may be looking at me like, I want, you want what I want, I want what you want. Like, so, even with specials, that's if that's gonna be my lane, I'm cool with my lane. I could be doing cruise ships. True that. And people who do cruise ships, kudos to them. You know, they doing what they wanna do. They not chasing the fame. They chasing they want to take care of their family. It's a it's a person and I and, and people gotta think about I want comics to really soak this in. It's a comic that live in L.A. that probably drives a Maserati, got a good-ass life. You have never seen him headline a club. You've never seen him do stand-up. He ain't never been on nobody's show. None of that. But he's the warm-up for The Price is Right. He's the warm-up for The Ellen Show. He's the warm-up for shit, Judge Mathis. You ain't never seen him, but he living a good-ass life. Doing, he, what you out struggling want to do, he living that life <laughs> without, <laughs> he living that goddamn life. Yeah. Dead-ass doing what you, what you want to do in front of a studio audience. He ain't got to go nowhere. He ain't got to sell no tickets. They won't got to do shit, but go out there and warm the people up for the show to start. Yeah. And that, if that's what makes him happy, then... And that motherfucker jump in the Maserati, put his shades on, and jump in the Maserati and, and speed off the, C, the, um, the, Sony, the Sony lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he don't give a shit about what you do. Oh, I'm out on the weekends, headline is cup. He's like, yeah, good for you. I'm going, I'm going to Turks and Caicos. <laughs> Yeah, this made this made eleven thousand dollars just Wednesday and Tuesday. Right, he's like, what the fuck? Why he's gonna get so rich? He's saying days backwards. He's like, yeah, Thursday and Monday. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, he don't give a shit about the proper order of things. And been in and been a warm up for ten years. Career, career warm up. When you made the transition, you said at year 10, you, that's when you started being yourself more on stage? Mm, that's it, when I changed my style. I was style, already yeah. myself. What I just was changed, that pivot? Yeah. I just changed what I was going to be talking about. I didn't want to talk about nothing that somebody generally was going to talk I was going to do a lot more research, a lot more studying, go in depth on shit and find the most gruesome shit to make funny. You know what I'm saying? It, okay. even, even stuff that was inside me, hey, you, ain't, you, ain't, you haven't been telling these stories. People don't realize... People don't realize this at all. I hadn't told a prison story until I did This Is Not Happening. Whoa. And you've had multiple albums before that. That's, yeah. some, that's wow. I hadn't, I hadn't told not one prison story. 
what was that consciously? Or you just that, that was very conscious. I didn't want people to think I was some one trick. Oh, all he do is tell for the night. No, right. I'm not the prison comic. So it took me 16 years. I was doing stand up for 16 years before I ever remember. I did in 08. I did Def Jam. I was a season finale on Def Jam. I was on Comedy View 2001 to 2004. I was on Off the Chain. I was on Bill Bellamy's Who Got Jokes. I was on a lot of stuff before I did This Is Not Happening. And you had the vision to know, I don't want to be that, so I'm saving yeah. that. That's not gold. Even, not even thought I was going to ever even do it. It was just, it's like I told stories to my friends, so they were like, man, one of these days, man, you got to say that on stage. And I never, it's like Bill told me to say a bunch of stuff. And then the the thing comes when the person who is your mentor says, hey, man, you want me to be real with you? The funny, how funny you gonna be is determined on how honest you gonna be. I mean, that's when, that's when you gonna be different. When you decide that you have whatever honesty and whatever truth you wanna say, that's when you gonna start being fucking hysterical. And that was D.L. Hughley. Just like when, when Cheryl Underwood told me which sometimes she fucking forget that she told me this because she act like she'll forget that she even know me or some shit. But on a Tom Joyner cruise, i never forget it. And and this is the crazy thing. She'll act like she don't fucking know me, but I say I say this story in, very, in motherfucking the, the detailest that I can say it because it, it's going to be nothing but straight detail. She was coming out of the spa on the cruise, she had on this fucking long, flowy thing that was like blue and green with a little splash of red, but it was white based. This fucking flip, big flip hat on. And we talking, and she said, I had dreads at the time. She said, Ali, let me tell you something. You want to be successful in comedy, you got to remember these two things. Every man got to want to be you, and every bitch got to want to fuck you. That's serious. And, hmm. and, I, and I thought about what she said, and it's the truth. To be successful in stand-up, every man got to want to be you. It won't be funny. Every woman gotta wanna fuck you. Eighty-five percent of any comedy club made up of women. If you are not attractive, nope. And I'm talking about one thing is you ask any woman. This is the psychology of shit when you go deeper into it. When you ask any woman, name your top three things you want your man to be. I guarantee you motherfucking funny come up. Mm. Make me laugh, come up. I guarantee, because funny is sexy. That transcends you past how, what your physical shit look like. And she was right. And so I cut my hair. I um I tailored up. I was already dressing with t tailored suits and shit, but I tailored up more. 
I, I switch my style up a lot and I, I combine what DL and Cheryl said together. And then there's other, there's other people out there as well, but like Dick Gregory and Dez White and Rob Stapleton, there's a lot of other people who, who gave me solid ass advice. So when I get ready to write a book, which will be soon here. Yes. Um, awesome. It'll be a book of quotes. Thing, the story, that I'm gonna lay the story out of how I got the quote. Like it's gonna be the quote, then it's gonna be the story behind the quote. And then I, I wanna get the person who, who told me the quote to sign in the book. So the people I had that, they were like, oh, that, this is original story. So it, I would have to get Chappelle and Chris, and some of these people don't even know they told me important shit. You know, Bruce Bruce told me some super important shit. And it just, it's just mind blowing when, you, when I think about the shit that people, Jamario Jamario told me, some shit people don't even remember, a lot of people don't remember who Jamario Jamario is, but he's a, he was a big Atlanta comic. He was a huge Atlanta comic. You look if you go back and look up Jamario, 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 Jamario was funny as fuck, man. Jamario told me, he said, Man, Kent, you gonna realize when you become a headliner the type of pressure that it has that's on a headliner. Shit. It's a lot of pressure on a headliner. They don't people don't realize that. You, a lot of other things you're dealing with. God damn, being a headliner is rough. No bullshit. And then people don't realize that. You opening, you featuring, you guest spotting, all that shit don't mean a motherfucking thing. Headline is a whole different monster. Not closing the show, not going last, but you motherfucking headline because you got a lot of shit to deal with. A lot of comedy come in front of you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And a lot of shit is on you. See, a feature ain't no pressure. Feature ain't no motherfucker, man. Shit, it, don't nobody expect you to do a goddamn thing. You just going out there. You ain't got to sell no tickets. You ain't no. You ain't nobody. They ain't nobody going. It's just a lot, man. And then even as a even doing that, you have to deal with an unknown, a unknown hiccup that's gonna come on your ass that you're not used to. You've been doing stand up twenty years, sometimes twenty five years, sometimes. 15 years, now you headlining and don't realize a check drop will fuck your whole setup. Because <laughs> you thinking you rolling, then they come drop them checks and ain't nobody listening to your ass no more. You think you losing them. Nah, they on their checks. They got to drop their checks. Then they got to get back to you after that. You like, God damn, my show was like, yeah, that motherfucker just fell all the way to the bottom. And then I ain't never come out of the hole because you thought you lost them. <laughs> Unseen hand. The vicious check drop. <laughs> yeah, it's legendary. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming. Yeah. That's fucking coming. And me being a feature long enough, looking at headliners, think they bombing. Then I'm like, hey, give you a tip. I know you've been doing stand-up 30 years, but let me give you like a lightweight tip. Why don't you get them to signal you that they about to drop the checks? Like I do. I just get a double like. Huh. I say, well, I just ask him, I say, when y'all dropping the checks? And he say, well, we usually drop the checks about 
45, you know, like 25 to 30 minutes in at the headliner, or da da da. We, that's how we know how much time. See, people, a lot of comics don't want to learn the business of they back in the green room doing whatever the fuck they doing and shit, and not putting their show together. It's still some more shit you got to do once you become a headliner. You still got more shit you got to do. So you tell the person, hey, when y'all getting ready to drop the checks, if y'all do it like that, give me a double light. Like me, that, that. Let me know, oh, the check's about to drop. So let me not go into no intricate shit or no real long story or nothing. Let me do just a bunch of quick pop shit because I know they're about to go in the checks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or if they can't do that, well, do this for me. Drop the back first. So then I have the front. Then drop the front. Then I had the back. I don't need the whole room away from me at one time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just shit that you got to put in place for your show to be successful. I've never heard that before. That's gold. And if anybody ever say they ever thought that they a motherfucking lie, I was the first comic to, because I know, I know other, other older comics that never thought of shit. They was like, yo, that motherfucking genius with that shit. Mm-hmm. He's fucking genius with that. Because I'm, I need you to know, because a comic has to know we all in this shit together. So, I can't have you, just like with a wait staff. I want a wait staff low as possible. I don't want you standing up in the middle of my fucking show because the people behind you can't see. I shouldn't have to come in and groom a wait staff, but the comedy clubs are not fucking focused on what comedy should be because you're so busy trying to just make some money. Let me get the fucking sensation in here, but nigga, get your fucking wait staff together and the shows can be a lot more consistent, have some continuity to them. So how do you share this info with them? Is oh, there like a them. meeting? Is there I a, tell them. Yeah. I tell them straight up, hey, man, I don't want the wait staff standing straight up. Okay. Take orders from here because that's how it's done at my home club at the improv. I never fucking see the wait staff at the improv. I don't have to have no meeting with them because they train right. They train right. They, they are fucking amazing staff. I never, they like ghosts. In the room. I never see them. They not blocking consumers way trying to give some consumers something else. Even when they serving food, they come, somebody come put the thing down and they get the fuck out the way. And then you come and you put the tray down and you serve the food low. They they get out the way. They don't try to distract anything from what's going on on the stage because that's what's important. Just like this is important. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Dude, thank you so much for doing this. First oh, off, I, you dropped gems on this. It, seriously, like the first one, you dropped a lot of knowledge. This one, you're dropping a lot of knowledge. Uh, before we get out of here, is there, I mean, a lot of comics listen to this as well. Um, but is there anything else, wisdom or anything, any insights you want the world to know? Man, I, I just want, this is a lot of comics in this, man. I really prefer and really want comics to stop being so fucking programmed. Because it's, it's fucking the game up. It's just really fucking the game up where you are programmed and they fucking making you a, a robot. It's like they telling you what to do now in stand-up. That's per beat. But hey, everybody do what they want to do. Yeah. Like, like, hey, whatever y'all doing... Do that. Don't let my words encourage you to do something different because this is my lane. 
this is the path that I've chose. You know what I'm saying? So you may you may choose a J.R. Ryder, J.R. Smith path. Some people choose the Kevin Durant path. Some people choose LeBron path. You know what I'm saying? It's all about the path you, that you choose. They all in the NBA. They all there playing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But somebody going to be looked at a little different than others always. Just yeah. trust yourself and your ability. Hey, sometimes don't trust yourself because you yourself may be fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you may have a dishonest self. You know what I'm saying? You gonna trust yourself like, nah, get my dishonest ass out. I can't even be honest with myself. <laughs> well, I had a I had a comedian ask, I posted on social media seeing if people had questions for you, yeah. like people that listen. And I had a dude, he goes by Go Mookie Go. So if that's what. All right, all go, right Mookie. go Mookie Go. He asked, uh, what was the moment you knew you were going to be a great comedian? I'm not a great comedian. That's an asinine question. That 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 is determined by individuals. Some people say I'm great. Some This lady told me last night that I was a selfish comic. She said everything you said was about yourself. I said, well, shit, it was my show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck you thought I was going to talk about? Somebody else? I talk about me. And what the fuck I think? Selfish comic. Well, I'm a, oh, this this is what everybody thinks. Now, I'm not, that's not what um, everybody didn't live the same life as me. So my thoughts right. pattern, you know, so I'm not a great comic. I'm just a comic. And most people come to hear your point of view on the world. That's why they're there. Man, they're not there just to hear what they know. But see, that's when the audience don't know you. See, I'm not popular out here yet. You know, uh, it's just a, it's still a, the paper the room stage. Gotcha. You know, I'm, I'm very I'm very aware. I'm not I'm not a I know where I sell at and where I don't. Gotcha. All right, and the last one here from my his name's Vic MC, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, "What were some of your goals early on?" To be. Um, one, it was just to get on stage and just talk in front of people. Then I got a very, I got placed in a very particular spot to be next to a person who gave me a good perspective on things other than DL's perspective. It just complimented DL's perspective. Another comedian named Billy D. Washington, hmm. he told me, he said, man, I always remember this, man. When you're not being funny, be interesting. What? You can do that. And that's what I am. I took them words, that's another quote. Took them words and ran with it. So even that interesting may be silence, but you still have them engaged. And it was a goal. Now in the middle, like maybe year number three, I decided to develop to take on this 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 goal of being to the point of sitting down. Because, you know, Dez White could just come out. He could just stand there, not move. So I, I, I took that, and I could just just do it just standing there. Paul Mooney sat on the stool. So I took that, and I developed that to be able to do it from sitting on the stool. On SJ was real busy around the stage, just all the way. So I took that, 
and I can I can do like I can be like that as well. Um, and then the ultimate shit was sitting down mm. and being able to sit there for just straight come out, sit down. Then um, with no music was the sec was the next develop. Just come out, no music, no introduction. Just come out and sit down. Y'all already know who y'all here to see. And I just walk out. And it's it's them type of goals that you give yourself to say, but you have to be funny enough to do that on a consistent basis. Like just to come out. Like anybody now they walk out, they come out and sit down and say, hey, they fucking stole it from me. Cause I'm the only one that does that. I did it on TV. I did it on Comedy Central. I just come out, sit down, I just say, hey. Anybody else that does it is a copycat. Anybody, now I tell you right now, if you're trying to sit down, you got it from me. You didn't get it from Bill. Because mm. th the difference is, what, didn't nobody do it for 40 years? Have nobody sat down for 40 years since Bill Cosby? Yeah. You can't think of one comic that came out and sat in a chair since Bill Cosby. And then I came out on both my conversations especially and did it. And every special is going to be the same. I did it in prison. Came out and sat down in the fucking chair in prison on the special. Like, so nigga, you, you know, this is me. So if you doing that now, you got it from me. Because I'm the motherfucker that you're watching now. You're not watching Bill. Boom. Just simple. It's just that, just that goddamn simple. If you going on stage, you trying to lay back and tell stories, just fucking pay homage to who you got it from. Because there's two specials out there with me on it, doing mm -hmm. it just like that. And it's not another fucking person out there outside of me and Bill Cosby that's on TV sitting down doing stand-up. Find them. There's such a power in having the audience come to you instead of trying to go and grab them that you make them gravitate towards you. Exactly. That's but I'm very under I'm very underrated, underappreciated. That's what that's going bring it back bring it back facts. to your you famous. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And I, I, we could be we can be in a um we was at this big place in Oakland, Bruce Bruce was hosting. And they was motherfuckers like, is he gonna go out there and sit down in front of people? I mean, they put that chair out there, I walked right out there and sat down. They was like, and murdered. Because I'm funny where I'm where I'm at. Yeah. I can get, I can tell your ass up right where I'm at, sitting down, and with my feet crawled just like this. And be like, mm -hmm. let me tell y'all something. Um, this got to be the most comfortable position. <laughs> like I it depends on what I feel like talking about. I done came out and said, hey, never buy a shirt. When you on mushrooms, cause every <laughs> shirt looks good. And now that I'm not high no more, I, I, this shirt was a very bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be a shirt that people be like, "Hey, that shit is kind of straight." Hey, man, it's that mushroom shit, man. This shit, was, this shit was beautiful, man. When uh -huh. I was fucking high, but this shit is awful now. This shit is atrocious. Like, first of all, <laughs> you shouldn't be allowed to even sell no shit that look like this. It's, but hey, depending on what I feel like. I I read some right before I come out and be like, man, people out here wowing, man. Do you know that a 99-year-old man and a 97-year-old, his wife, 97, 
They getting divorced. Hmm. Wow. You know why he getting divorced? Because he found out that she had an affair in the 40s. Not in her 40s. <laughs> in the 40s. <laughs> you just now found out in 2018. Man, come on, man. She got away with that. She got away <laughs> yeah. with that, man. You gonna let that go, man. Statue of limitations. She probably told him when he was in his 70s. And he forgot. <laughs> and that's what I come out and say, because that's what I want to talk about. Like, and that's my whole thing. Like, you got to let stuff go. Women, when can we, when are you going to stop being mad at me about shit that you're supposed to already forget before? Mm-hmm. This is what I, <laughs> and that's the lead in to that. So it depends on what happens. I can walk out, hey, if you, in your yard, you digging a trench, and the trench collapses on you and you die. Should your family <laughs> dig you up to rebury you? I wouldn't. I'm telling you, I wouldn't do that shit. I'm telling you, I, I, I wouldn't do it. I'd just kick the rest of the dirt over your head and say a prayer and tell everybody you at home. Perfect. I, I read that. What was what was that advice Bruce Bruce told you? You started to reference it earlier. Bruce Bruce said, "Never quit your job until stand up is making more money for you than your real job." Because he he said he was working at Frito Lay, and I said, probably in there eating all the chips. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bruce. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that was the thing. It's like this advice, man, that people give you and you hold on to it and you put it in the proper place when it's the proper time. You see that check and you like, you know something? I can make more money doing stand-up than this shit on my own. And when you make that decision... It's going to fucking be hard, man. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to, don't think I'm saying it like it's just going to be some easy shit. It's going to be hard and you're going to feel lost at a point like, man, God damn, I quit my shit. I know now I got the rent. This rent is due and I got to find a gig that's going to pay me. I got to. I got to have it lined up. So when I left, I had it lined up. Like, man, I had all these shows lined up. And I said, I'm I'm going to make this amount of money. And that's more money I make over there. I'm out. I'm going to say this, that. And then you got eight, nine, ten shows lined up. Six of them fall through. God damn. Now you got you to gotta hustle. So I've been doing this since 1999 with no other job, no other nothing. And this shit been hard sometimes. But yet again, from prison to uh, Comedy Central, and I'm still underrated. Boom. Uh, Dude, thank you so much for doing this, seriously. I I appreciate you and what you're doing. And you're not underrated in my world of comedy in terms of <laughs> you're one of the best and I say that without any hesitation 
So thank you for being willing to sit down and do this again, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I appreciate it, man. You, um, I like the first one that we did. You know, we get we get a little intense every time we talk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel it's it. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like it's, it's like it's uh, like. <laughs> Like how it goes sell in Muhammad Ali years. No, no, look, I had great intense interviews with him. He'll <laughs> 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 look back and be like, no, 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 no. I have the best footage. Like Yes. Yes, like, yes. Like Bert, Bert like I have people kinda of like, no, if you wanna have good footage at my funeral, these are the four people that you need to contact. <laughs> like, no, no, they have the best shit. Like they have the best shit. Like, like Joy Diaz has mm-hmm. some good stuff. Joy Diaz like, oh no no brother, when you when you motherfucker when you die, I'm gonna put this shit out and like yo it's gonna be spectacular. I'm like what the fuck <laughs> you think I'm gonna die before your old ass? Could you rap this motherfucker? Joy Church, I love yeah. Joy Diaz man. Are man. you saying we're in that level where we we captured some unique Ali? Yeah, man, it's it's every interview is 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 different with different people. That's the craziest thing. It's like just like my stand up. I'm different with different people. But it's it's genuinely me. It's just a different people bring out. Different, like I'm very comfortable with Bert. Me and Bert talk about whatever. I laugh a lot with him because he's just. When somebody come into your room with no shirt on and yeah. no shoes, they toenail one toenail paint, and he's like, "So were you raised by a single mother?" Like what? That's how we that's how we jumping into this thing. Yeah, right. so, so single mother, right? Okay, all right. So um, cause your room is amazing. Room is amazing. <laughs> I'm like, nah, not right now. But you know, it's like it, it's just a it's a weird thing, man. And then Ari is a little weird. And Ari's like, yo, we should do shrooms together and then do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and then you think about it, like, and then you go to Joy's and get wasted with Joy and be like, yo, and you waiting to do Rogan. You want to do Tom Segura. You want to, you know, you just people that you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to say, I, mean, I want, I have a goal of doing these podcasts. I want to do. You know, Tom's going, I want to do Rogan. I want to do, I want to go on, I want to be the first person to ever go on um, Bill Burr's podcast. I think he just does his by himself. He does. Like, yeah. I, just, I want to go on Bill Burr's podcast. Just just me and him. Mm-hmm. The only person they ever do business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, they go down in history, and I put that in the credit. The only man to ever do Bill Burr podcast, <laughs> and that'll be my. Uh, I, I take all the rest of my shit out. Comedy Central, all that. They're like, y'all, um, come to the stage. Give it up for Ali Sadiq, the only man to do Bill Burr exactly. podcast. Yeah, that's the credit. <laughs> that's the credit. But that's my goal with this podcast, because so many comedians have a podcast that I want to talk to comedians in a way they've never been talked to before and like get more on the insights of their process and like how they got to where they are and things like that. Because so many comics have a podcast. I'd like this to be one where people can come to learn. I don't I don't do everybody's podcast. Just, just know that I don't I by no means do I do everybody's podcast. Respect. I have no desire. I do Joe Buttons. Mm hmm. But I I don't have a desire to do in I'll, I'll do anything with Nikki Glacier, anything. 
with Nicky Glenn. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting us be a, a part of that exclusive list, Ali Sadiq. Oh, yeah, it's on, it's on a, 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 it's a very exclusive list. Worldwide, 20 people out do their podcasts. Worldwide. There's not a lot of people. Because I, I don't like talking. Because a lot of people, you, you, I've been in radio interviews where the shit didn't got like, man, you know I whooped the shit out you in this interview. Like, it, it, so it didn't got like that. Like, uh-huh. like a lot of, who the fuck is you talking to? On the radio interview, so I don't like doing a lot of them people interview. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm fucking with you, fuck you, you fucking stooge. Right? <laughs> and then and people like, yo, we, we, what we gonna do? This motherfucker is. He told me that he gonna beat my ass, and he's like, yeah, like I don't give a fuck about coming up here no more. You can ban me. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Like what? I said, man, well, you can't. A, a dude like me that 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 been to prison that know he not ever going back. Like I'm a whole court in the street. If they ever try that bullshit. It's not a lot you can fucking say or do to me that I'm like, yo, man, either you're going to have to try to prove that shit. Or I'm going to prove exactly what I say I'm going to do. I'm, I guarantee I'm going to fucking prove it. Because mm-hmm. I don't come from a place where you can say some shit and you can't do it. I, come, I was six years in prison. My informative years, 1925. If I say I'm going to do something, if I make that decision, yeah. say, man, you know, um, I'll fucking kick your teeth down your throat. Just know you're going to have to go to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're capable. That's what's scary. Just, just know you, you, you fucking going to the dentist. It like I'm telling you, you didn't you didn't push me to it. I'm like, yo, man, I was over here eating sugar babies, and you used to start fucking with me. <laughs> 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 and then there it is, man. All of a sudden, then I, I lead the bad guy, but nobody ever. I try not my, my best not to get into nothing because it's always my fault. No matter a hmm. dude can shoot me. And then I beat his ass. Then they go like, see, see, that's why that motherfucker shot you. Cause you be like, no, no, I got shot. And then I, you know something? Fuck it, man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking blame everything on me. Fuck it, man. That's, that's, that's how I got to look at it, man. Just fuck it, man. Whatever. I, I want to end this before I get kicked in the teeth. Nah, man, me and you good, man. That's you, what's up. Our, our, um, our, our um, dialogue is just very... Muhammad Ali, Howard Cosellish. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go watch some of that. I gotta see uh, that. You don't even know the, the reference. Uh, Why would you see the reference? You gonna fucking fall out. You be like, really? yeah, that is. <laughs> it's kind of like the same. Cause them was at each other all the time. They was the be- They always had the best goddamn interviews. That's awesome. I know, that line was Muhammad Ali. The critics say that you're not what you used to be. And how and he told how go say he said, Well, Howard, I talked to your wife last night and she said you have the man that you used to be. <laughs> that's fucking hysterical to me. It's Hilarious. Like, it's like it's just back and forth. Just yeah, bathroom. every time. I'm gonna go watch some. I'm gonna come to your show tonight too. Oh, cool. See the master at work. Cool. I always learn seeing your work, man. Hopefully it's good, man. It's just been a bunch of shit shows here, man. I did. I've been doing good, but I just hate that I gotta go back in my crate. I'm not doing none of my new shit or the shit that I'm really engulfed in now. I, I'm gonna I'm say this. I'm gonna say this boldly, and it's not just the Atlanta people's fault. It's the comics' fault as well. Comics out here, not the old cats, not the old cats, not the Henry Welshes and uh, uh, Rodney Perrys and mm-hmm. the Malik, uh, Malik S's of the world and, <clears throat> you know, all the old cats out here. Um, JJ from The Sip, you know, people who've been around. 
these younger guys, man, y'all got to just stop talking about fucking and getting high and people ain't shit. Niggas ain't shit black and white. That, that shit is dumb and audiences down. So when real people come to town, it's like fucking pulling teeth to get them to, to taste caviar. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to have to go to the punchline and to get off my real good shit or the laughing skull or somewhere. And, you know, usually I don't take gigs at predominantly um, anything room. Just one, it's one predominant thing. I, I like a mixed audience and a well-read audience. You know, somebody who know what current events are other than what's going on on fucking YouTube and Instagram type shit. Right. You know, you know, I need you to know that the FDA just did a recall on fucking heart medication that control blood pressure, say it's causing cancer. And I'm like, that's some fucked up shit that you got your blood pressure under control and now you got to go to chemo. Which got your they stretch got you stressed out. Now your blood pressure back up. This is like a fucking circle of death. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That you paid for. And that you paid for. Right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right. And that's not gonna be funny if you don't even fucking read the paper. Mm-hmm. Man. Boom. We out here, Ali Sadiq. Appreciate you, buddy. All right, Hot Breath of Verse, thanks for hanging out. Just stick with me here for one more minute in this outro. Have some exciting news. But first, if you did enjoy this episode, reach out to Ali directly. Let him know you enjoyed hearing him on Hot Breath Podcast. Go in the show notes, listen to his other interview with us, and also vote for him to win NBC's Bring the Funny. This, as you can hear in this episode, a very talented and very passionate comedian who is now getting that shine that he deservedly earned. So that being said, I am also a comedian out on this grind, and I'm going out on tour promoting my new album. I'm going to be coming through Lafayette, Louisiana, New Orleans, up through Arkansas and Alabama, and through North Carolina and Tennessee. So if you do want me to come through your town in the southeast, reach out to me directly, at Joel Byers Comedy. You can message me, joelbyerscomedy.com or hotbreathpodcast.com. We have merch on hotbreathpodcast.com. We have a bunch of additional content and blogs. There's a way to support the podcast as well. If you enjoy this free content you're receiving, whether it's on YouTube or podcasting apps, definitely just dropping a quick donation goes a long way in helping us keep churning these out every single week. I am a one-man band hustling out here as a comedian, podcaster, trophy husband. So any support you can show is greatly appreciated. And if you want to rep the brand, the Hot Breath brand, there's actually merch on Hot Breath Podcast as well. So I I want to connect with you. I want to hear from you. Every week I hear from people from all around the world. If you haven't reached out yet, make this week the week you reach out. I want to connect. I need to learn from you. I need to hear from you. That is how we continue to make this show bigger and better. So that being said, thanks for hanging out. Thank you for your valuable time. Let's connect. If you want me coming to your town, we will make it happen. I can bring a live podcast. I can bring my stand-up. However, whatever you want, I'm there for you. I'll be there for you. 
Sorry, my um, my wife is in there watching Friends, so I'm out here on the back porch still. So all that being said, I wonder how many times I have said all that being said. Anyway, I'm not a professional outroer. I'm a professional comedian and professional podcaster. So let's get on with our lives. I appreciate your time. I love you so dearly. Please do share this. It really does go a long way. Please do, wherever you're listening to this, whether it is on YouTube or a podcasting app, leave a review. That goes a long way in helping us build and get more listeners. And we can grow what we call the hot breath of earth together. So, at the end of all these, as you know, I thank my wife, Erin Byers, for making the theme song of this show. And until next Monday, right here on... Hot breath. Hot breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.